the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Chuck Olmstead, and I'm with The Widow's Project, and our guest is Deanna Sasser. Welcome today to The Widow's Project. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I like to hear stories of people, and these interviews are rather serious because we're talking about the fact that you are a widow. But I always like to hear kind of the beginning of the story, so uh, find out where did you grow up? Are you a, are you a Northwesterner? Are you from around here? Yes, I grew up outside of Bremerton, Washington, at Seabeck, Washington, and then in Silverdale, and then back to Bremerton. Mm-hmm. So you're so, a Kitsap girl. I am. <laughs> so family still in that area? Some family. Uh huh. Yes, very yeah. few. Yeah. Now. Well, tell me about life growing up in Seabeck area. It was wonderful. It was very country. It was 16 miles outside of Bremerton. We um, were a bunch of Norwegians, and the the Hagen family and the Dahl family from Norway uh, came over about the same time, and they just lived across the road from each other, and it was like one big family. And we basically had our own baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, my mother and I actually went to the same grade school. I have wonderful memories of living out there at Seabeck. Lots of times as children, rather than come in the house and eat lunch, we'd just climb a fruit tree and pick a pear or an apple. Um, We were outside all the time. If we weren't down at the beach, we were at the creek fishing and on hot days in the creek. <laughs> that sounds like Mayberry RFD, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it, it was wonderful. It's just, it was like a little bit of heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And what a shock to get out there in the big city and see the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. So did you graduate from high school there in, in Kitsap? In Silverdale. In Silverdale? Kit, Central Kitsap. So what was um, what was your spiritual formation like in those days? I was raised in a wonderful home. I have parents, uh, grandparents on both sides who were very godly. And both my mother and father were Christians. And uh, we had family worship every day in the home after dinner. We'd each take our dish to the sink, and the dishes had to wait, and we would gather, and Dad would read the Word, and we knelt together, and my little sister, she prayed first, and then I prayed, and then my brother, and then my mother and father, and I believe that's the reason why my brother Jerry and my sister Judy and I are still walking with the Lord today. Hmm. Wow, what a great heritage. Yes, I do have a great heritage. And there's been a lot of miracles in my home. Just, you know, down through the years has really built my faith. I think so often we are are living on the foundational prayers of our parents and grandparents and those that have gone before us. Yeah. So graduate from high school. What happens next? I came to Seattle and got a job right away. Um, I was blessed. Got a good job. Um, at home, going to college was never even mentioned. I don't think my folks really understood the importance of it because they didn't go 
to college mm-hmm. and they did okay. And uh, but I went to business college during the time that I was working. I went at night and brushed up on my business courses, and uh, that was interesting. Um, I wanted to be a secretary, and <laughs> but I had a good job that I should never have left, but I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, But in living in Seattle, it was such a different world for me. And uh, one thing my folks did, they taught us the Word of God, but they weren't really nurturers, and they didn't sit down with us kids individually and tell us the importance of being faithful to God. And if you don't, or if you aren't, that um, you can become weak and make poor decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. Hmm. That's what happened to me, and I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, that soft voice telling me, don't do this, you know, mm-hmm. and I dated men who didn't know the Lord. They were good men, mm-hmm. and um, and I wasn't in the Word, and I wasn't praying at that time, and I believe when you're not doing those things, you fall away. I don't think we stand still in the Lord. We're either going ahead mm-hmm. or we're falling back. Mm-hmm. And I fell back, and I became weak spiritually. And I married a man who wasn't a Christian. Um, big mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, How many years ago was that? Well, we were divorced in 1999, and we were married 29 years. So the kids were grown. Mm, mm-hmm. The kids were grown. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard, hard life, being unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. And um, I wish my folks had sat down with me and told me, gave me, they could have given me examples of their siblings who married outside of God and um, God's will and how they suffered and but they didn't Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember hearing dad say what has light to do with darkness and do not be unequally yoked I remember that but I didn't apply it for whatever reason to my life I I just became distant with God. I never turned my back on him. Mm -hmm. Always believed in God. Yes. So at that time you, and so with your first husband, how many children? Three. Three three children. Mm -hmm. So what happened after 1999? I lived alone for a few years and then somebody from my distant past came back into my life um, he was a retired minister and pastor from Dinuba, California, mm-hmm. and he was also a missionary to Honduras, so he spoke uh, Spanish fluently, and he sang and played the guitar, and so I have wonderful memories of him doing that, and oh, how he could preach. But actually, he was my pastor. He just started out in ministry back in the 50s, and he was my pastor when I was just a young girl. And um, he he would call from California to see 
how my mother was doing, and he would get to talking with me about spiritual things. And one thing led to another, and he called one day, and he said he'd like to come up to a lady's 80th birthday party and in Bothell. And he says, I don't know my way around up there anymore. And he said, would you take me? So one thing led to another, and we married in 2006. Wow. Yes. So he so, was he was a little older than you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, 20 years. 20 but years. looking at him, he always looked so much younger than his years. Mm-hmm. He just always looked so good. You know, you wouldn't have believed he was 20 years my senior, uh-huh. but a godly man. And I miss the times of reading the word together and praying together. Uh-huh. When he prayed, it was just like God was right in the room uh-huh. and such earnestness in his prayers. And yeah. Yes. So 2006, so, 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 2006. And his name? Uh, Monroe Eugene Sasser. Monroe Sasser. But he went by Gene. By Gene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you were living at that time in uh, the Seattle area? No, we, uh, when I first got married to my first husband, uh, we lived uh, on Magnolia mm-hmm. and then live, moved from there to Arlington and he started to work for Bayliner mm-hmm. up in Arlington. And so we lived there from 72 until 75 and then moved to North Marysville. And then he started uh, a business, heavy-duty equipment repair business. And when we first started, we were doing well um, together because we were pulling. I was the bookkeeper, and we were pulling together to get you know, the business, Mm -hmm. um, so it would be a success. And, um, but it was later on when he, we, we had extra money and the business was doing real well that that's when things started to really get bad. Mm -hmm. And we, we pulled apart. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about Gene. What uh, what was life like with him? He was a very caring, understanding person, and what a difference. I had longed for so many years to have somebody that I could relate to. Our backgrounds were similar, so we could talk about spiritual things and pray together about anything and everything, and it was wonderful because I longed for that in my first marriage. It was a very dysfunctional marriage, and um, he would get very angry if he saw any spiritual material in the house. Or one time when he came home, um, I had Christian radio on, and uh, he got very angry and kicked the dining room table so hard it flipped over. So let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, what transpired with Gene? Well, not very many years into our marriage, he noticed a difference in his mind. And he I hadn't seen it, but he wanted to go to the VA hospital down in Seattle and be tested. And he did this all on his own. I said, I'll go with you. And, and he says, no, I'll, 
I'll do fine. And they did test him, and they found that he was at the beginning of Alzheimer's. He didn't show much emotion about that. I thought he took it very well. But as time went on, it became more difficult, and it got to the point that he had to be in a home. My doctor told me, if you take care of him, that it's going to bring you down physically. And I saw that because I never knew when he would go out of the house and, you know, morning or night, I wouldn't be able to sleep. So he was put in a VA home, a wonderful home down at American Lake. That's South Tacoma. So that wasn't easy going back and forth. It was about 160 miles around trip from where I was living. He passed away in two years ago this month. I'm sure many can relate to that, to the Alzheimer's issue, because in some ways you're beginning to lose them early on, aren't you? I did. Actually, it was November 2013. His mind was just completely gone, and that was a a real difficult time, and I had to place him right away. Did you feel guilty for doing that? Did you understand that you needed to do that? I really understood it, Mm -hmm. and, and he was... He was a happy Alzheimer's patient. Sometimes you hear of them becoming very angry, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would often reach out and want to touch the nurse's hand and just hold her hand. And they'd have to tell him, Pastor, they called him Pastor, we are busy. We have others to take care of here. They really liked him because he was happy. And they took very good care of him. Otherwise, I think I would feel guilty. But I was blessed. He was blessed in that he got into a very good care facility. So he passed away a couple years ago. Everybody has their own story, obviously, of how they deal with grief. Was it a tough passing for you? I have to be honest. It really wasn't because I knew he longed to go home and be with Jesus, his quality of life. I just didn't understand why somebody who loved the Lord so much had to go through this. It was a relief. When his, he could still think clearly, he said, I'm so ready. I'm so ready to go home. And he got his desire. Knowing he was with the Lord, for it says, absent from the body, present with the Lord, it's so comforting. So what happened in your own mindset and your own heart, knowing that this was going to be an eventuality, it wasn't a sudden passing for your husband? Was there a, obviously still a sense of loss, but uh, what what happened for you after his passing? Well, I was alone, and that was hard to be completely alone in this large home, which I eventually sold this last May, and uh, that was a real interesting happening. But it was hard to be alone, and it caused me to really cry out to the Lord and seek him with all my heart because I knew where that, that that's where the comfort came from, was through the Lord. He gives such peace that the world can't even understand it, but there is wonderful peace in just casting all your cares on Jesus. As we're talking about the Widows Project, and uh, we're, we're interviewing you and uh, asking people to help support the Widows Project. What would you say for you personally, as you're, as you're sharing your life and your story, for others that are going through similar situations, 
Why the need for an organization like the Widows Project? Well, I have just learned about the Widows Project recently, and it's a wonderful organization, and it's very needed because there is a lot, I'm finding a lot of widows in distress and that need the fellowship. And I, I realized in my own life the necessity of finding, being connected with others in similar situations. We need the fellowship. We need to hold each other up in the Lord. And we need to know each other's needs so we can pray for one another. And I see that this is a great need. And immediately my mind goes to some friends who were recently widowed and they need this. They really need this. Mm -hmm. It's so important to get connected. Yeah. Well, I've had some some people say to me, um, you know, uh, this (laughs) this may sound strange, but, you know, there is this isn't necessarily an immediate crisis. So when when they hear people saying, well, there are children who are starving in in Africa or there are needs in Honduras or or Haiti or that sort of thing that are much more greater. And if the Lord uh, asks people to give to that, uh, you know, may it may it happen because those are need. But the this is a real need, isn't it? It's a great need. Yeah. It really is. And sometimes it's kind of a hidden need, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In the sense of it is. It is. There's uh, behind closed doors. There's a lot of widows really hurting, and they need the encouragement and the invitation to come out and meet others and find out that they are not alone. Like I say, get to know one another so we can lift each other up in prayer. It's mm-hmm. so important. This organization is is wonderful. As we're wrapping up here, are, do you have any other final comments? I'd ask another person that we interviewed recently, if I was sitting across the table from you and just had lost a spouse from your experiences and how you've processed over these last two years, what would you say for someone who's had that crisis in their life? Well, like in my life, I learned by trust in trusting in the Lord with all my heart and leaning not on my own understanding, but acknowledging him in every area of my life. That has brought such peace. Trusting the Lord. I think of Isaiah 26, 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And that is so true. There was one time I was so desperate, and I just cried out to the Lord earnestly, and I know he heard my cry. And it was like a blanket of warm, a warm blanket of comfort fell over me and gave me such peace. And ever since then, I have been learning more and more to lean on Jesus and just trust him. He knows everything about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows the future. And it's like he's saying to me every day, trust me, lean on me. And it's a learning process. It's been a learning process for me, definitely. Well, Deanna, I want to thank you. And uh, we honor your husband, Gene, and Mm. uh, remember him. Mm-hmm. And for his life and his ministry and his singing and his guitar yes. playing and his preaching and his mm-hmm. praying. And we want to thank you for sharing your story today on The Widows Project. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.